Are you curious on how much your business is worth? Get your free no obligation offer from Open Store at open.store. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale their subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into long-term customer relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC pod. What's up, DTC pod? Um, today, we are joined by Casey from Suckers, uh, and we're here in LA recording. So Casey, why don't you kick us off and tell us a little bit about um, you know, what you're building with Suckers as well as your background. For sure. So we just launched Suckers about 90 days ago, and we've been working on it for the last year and a half, almost two years. So um, I, my background, I come from marketing and advertising. I had a career for a big brand marketing advertising agency. Mm -hmm. I worked for Raise Your Fish for like eight years, mm -hmm. worked my way up from kind of the ground floor up uh, to over the last three years, we were overseeing all of Samsung's North America digital content creation. Oh, wow. So we we're making commercials, we we're making digital content for Samsung and uh, did that and then kind of got burnt out on the ad life that happens, yep. you know, it happens uh, with quite a few people. But I saved up a good amount of money uh, and decided to actually travel for like a year and a half, just take like a little sabbatical. So I where, did, where'd you go? All over the world. I literally touched all seven continents. I actually did this project where um, I set the Guinness Book of World Records by touching uh, all seven continents in 92 hours. Oh, wow. How, yeah. what, what, what was the route? <laughs> what, what, I started in Australia and I went up to Dubai, went yeah. to Cairo, went to Frankfurt, Frankfurt over to Toronto, all commercial flights, jumping, bouncing. And then from Toronto, went down to Santiago, uh -huh. Santiago down to Punta Arenas. Uh, Punta Arenas, Chile is where you take this little expedition flight over to Antarctica oh and God. landed there 92 hours later. So it's just like a crazy kind of middle of my career time. Yeah. It's like, you know, they sold everything, wanted to travel. I had been working, you know, 70 hour work weeks for so long with mm -hmm. the Samsung stuff. I just needed a break. Yep. And so did that, traveled, came back mm -hmm. and started my own boutique agency. Mm -hmm. And that's where I continue the content production, content creation. I also saw it moving, like advertising, marketing, moving from the last shoot that we did with Samsung. It was a seven figure shoot mm -hmm. over a couple of days and we were getting a few 30 to 60 second spots. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they're spending over a million dollars on this content. We're getting a couple pieces. Yeah. Obviously, I was listening to Gary Vee a lot back then, talking about micro pieces and more organic, natural, documenting the process. So while I was traveling, part of what I wanted to do is teach myself how to shoot and how to edit. Mm. I'd been around it my entire career, but I never was the one holding so, the camera. So what was your responsibility when you were um, working on content there? You said it, you, you weren't doing like the full stack of the production, but like, so what were you responsible yeah, for? Yeah, so I was VP of creative, I was creative director. Yep. So I was just overseeing the concept, we we're mm. ideating, we we're making sure it hit the client's goal. Mm -hmm. I would sit there behind the editor mm -hmm. and get feedback, mm -hmm. you know, of color grading, or I'd be on set with the director and we'd be directing together, making sure we're hitting what they want to get. Gotcha. But I was never the one holding the camera. Gotcha. I was never one opening up, you know, Premiere or anything like that. So when I went to go do this travel, part of what I wanted to do, instead of it just being like, hey, let's go do this for fun, I wanted to come back with a skill set. Mm -hmm. And that skill set was to be able to shoot and to edit. So I bought my first camera. Mm -hmm. And for the first 100 days, I shot every day. I edited a video and I uploaded it to YouTube, documenting my travel. Oh, wow. So every single day you were... You were shooting content, you were teaching yourself how to edit, and you were uploading. So like, kind of like lifestyle vlogging. Lifestyle vlogging, and the pure purpose was to get familiar with shooting, get familiar with editing, get familiar with documenting, get yep. familiar with talking to the camera. Exactly. And doing all that. So by the end of that, I got fat, I mean, I got good. Um, I got better really fast mm -hmm. because, I mean, the first night, I filmed all day. The first night, it took me like eight or nine hours to, to edit one of these things. Yep. It's like, I don't know if this is sustainable. But the next night, it took me like seven and a half. Yep. The next night, it took me six. Next thing you know, I was starting to knock out these edits in 30 minutes, and they were getting wow. better. So it taught me uh, really fast. It was an expedited course in shooting and editing. I was YouTube, how to do this, you know, how to use course. Final Cut. And so I came back, started. Now I had the skill set from big brand advertising mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. kind of how that all worked and what they looked for. Now I kind of have this like run and gun, you know, can shoot, can edit and have that skill set. So I came back and started a boutique agency. 
hired a few uh, people to work on the team and we started offering services to companies where it was from strategy all the way through execution. Got it. So from you know documenting all the way through the uploading, we would come into a company and establish all their content strategy. So so you were almost serving as like the create in the creative director role like you had been before, but you had kind of a practical application of the creative side of it now and then you were going back and sourcing your own clients and running your own projects. Exactly, running my own projects. And we would usually do like three month uh, consulting contracts with companies. And the way that I would do it is that I would come in and for this first month, I would establish their content strategy. Yep. For the second month, I would actually shoot it and edit it and mm -hmm. show them content pieces of how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then the third month, we would hire out an internal team. That mm -hmm. way they can continue this. Got it, We got teach it. them strategy, we show them how to do it. Then, now they would hire somebody in house or find somebody that they could have do it long term. So we kind of do this three month. So over those, uh, the course of like, you know, the last three, four years of doing that, it was called Stew House. Mm -hmm. um, I was felt like I was around every single, you know, everybody else's brand launch. Yep. Yep. I was helping them with their content strategy. Here's how, you know, go to market with this product. Here's the content that you should do. This is how you should market it, you know. And finally, I was like, you know what? I do want to launch my own brand. Yep. I'm going to wait until it's something that I'm passionate about, that mm -hmm. I like, that it resonates with me. And eventually that's where Suckers uh, was born was one day, um, you know, we were looking at the hard candy market and we we're thinking, you know what, there's very few industries that haven't been better for you yet. Yep. And if you look at it, there's no competitor to the Jolly Rancher, yep. Blow Pop, Tootsie Pop. Nobody has done anything in hard candy. Me and my girlfriend and co-founder um, at that night went home. Suckers.com was available for 2800 bucks. <laughs> we split it that night and that was about two and a half years ago and that started the whole process for Suckers. That's awesome. And w one thing I love about that is like, a name is so important, right? So, um, you know, obviously you had the experience with the branding and the content creation and all that, but like landing on a product and a name and like seeing that the dot com is available. I remember even when I was like scoping you guys, I was like, oh, suckers.com. That's like, that's a pretty good one. Thanks. Um, so, so anyway, why don't you show us uh, what you got here and what, what the product looks like? I know we, um, you know, we have this whole thing right here. I got you. So here's our lineup right now. So we launched with Lollipop. So for me, with my content background, being yep. a creator, I knew I wanted a product that was good for content. Cool. And that's when I realized like two things. One is that nobody had made a better for you version of a Lollipop, yep. of Ball Lollipop. And then second thing is that these are good for content. You can, mm. it's always in, you know, it's always in your face. You can sing to it. You can link it. You can mm -hmm. dance with it. Really good TikTok type product. And so we started down the path of how do we reduce sugar. Mm -hmm. We don't want to use any sugar alcohols either. Yep. And we hired a formulator out of the East Coast. She used to work for Hershey's. Mm -hmm. She worked uh, on the Jolly Rancher. And we basically gave her our qualifiers and our specs of we want to reduce sugar. Uh, we don't want to use sugar alcohols. So we mm -hmm. want it to be all natural ingredients. And what we netted on was this is our first product. And this is, yeah. Uh, so this was, this is the first one. This is yeah. actually the world's first all natural yeah. lower sugar ball lollipop that doesn't use any sugar alcohols. Oh, wow. There's a couple out there that are flat. that are the flat lollipops. But to manufacture this, to get it into the ball, how it is, you, you know, heat the hot candy syrup and you pour it into these molds, but there's just a lot that goes into, you know, making this. Yeah, of course. So, process, so. so so let's talk a little bit about formulation and that process and as well as what is, it, what's already on the market and, you know, why th those are such a thing. So um, what's the challenge then of reducing the sugar footprint in a lollipop and how much sugar is in like a normal you know, lolly from a Jolly Rancher to like those sort of hard candies. Definitely. So to make this traditionally, and you know, the candy industry in general mm -hmm. um, has been just so dated. It's one of the ones that, you know, everybody from manufacturing, there's very few people doing stuff that's progressive in it. Obviously in the gummy space, there's more people playing yeah. in that space right now. Uh, but in the hard candy space, it's even harder because in gummies, you can retain about 17% moisture. It's what gives cool. it this kind of gummy texture. Yeah. Uh, but in hard candy, you have to remove all but one to 2% moisture. Mm. And there's a reason why really nobody had done it, I feel like, because um, it took our formulator, who's known as the queen of hard candy, you know, after working at Hershey, she knows it inside and out. And traditionally, you take sugar and corn syrup, you yep. heat, it, heat it to about 305. It all depends on altitude and where sure. you're at and stuff as well. But you hit it, heat it to 305, you remove all the moisture, uh, the glucose inverts, and you get what's called the hard crack state. Mm -hmm. What we had to do though is we don't use any like cane sugar or no corn syrup. So we're basically mm -hmm. starting off, what do we get this base yeah. to create the hard candy? And we just started there. Tapioca fiber syrup, brown rice syrup, allulose, using all the different ingredients in different combinations. And I mean, halfway through, we'd been like seven months in, we thought we were there. 
we loved the taste of it. Mm-hmm. It was a good piece of candy, a good hard piece of candy. We sent it off to get nutritional facts, had just as much sugar as mm. the traditional pops. Traditional lollipop this size, it's a larger pop, yep. is about 22 grams of sugar. Yep. We got ours down to just below seven. Oh, wow. So almost 70% less sugar. And so we did take alternative ingredients like tapioca fiber syrup, brown rice syrup, and through you know a special kind of formulating process that we have and temperature that we do and ingredients that we put in, we're able to make a good piece of hard candy without using any sugar or artificial corn syrup. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get started on, yeah. on one of these while, while we record. Um, okay. So, so that was kind of the uh, inception of the whole product you thought there was a white space you started to work on it you started to get it formulated and it took a while to uh before you were actually able to launch it because you were going through different formulation turns and really trying to um you know hit your non-negotiables in terms of what the the end result was going to look like right Okay, so then what were the next steps? Um, I see here that you've got a couple other um, different candy products. So what do you have and uh, what, what's the story behind those other product SKUs? Yep, so we launched with the Lollipops. So we're 90 days in and immediately, because you can take this formula and adapt it to different uh, forms for yeah. hard candy. So immediately this is you know our competitor to the Blow Pop, the Tootsie Pop, the larger pops that you see at checkout. Yep. Um, and the next product that we're launching in about six oh, to eight weeks. Great. I think that's the watermelon one, is our competitor to the Jolly Rancher. Mm-hmm. So these are hard candy pieces, and we reduce sugar by about 92%. Mm-hmm. So there's only one gram of sugar for three of these pieces. These will be organic certified, and um, these are just like a great product. This thing takes you about 45 minutes to an hour to get through. Perfect. Like, like it's a mission. It's a, yeah, jumbo, yeah. it's a jumbo pop. You'll have the whole time. It's great for like concerts, movie theaters, sitting at the desk, mm-hmm. uh, but like on a road trip. These you can just pop in and not think about it, you know exactly. what I mean? And eat, you know, go through a bag. But we'll be launching these bags of hard candy uh, probably about end of August, beginning of September. Cool. Um, so, and then why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the background of starting the company with your girlfriend? What was, you know, what was the team dynamic like? You you clearly have the background in content and branding and creative direction. Um, so, how did you guys? Um, decide that there's something you wanted to work on together and both align on and what were the different skill sets that she was able to bring to the table? For sure. So she's been a female founder and entrepreneur. Um, she had a pretty big tech company that she raised funds for in her like mid-20s, mm-hmm. went through the whole VC and fundraising route. She owned an influencer marketing agency, was part of that company she had with the tech. And so she has a lot of experience in brand building, uh, influencer marketing in general. And we have very complementary skill sets. I, we used to work together before we even dated. That's how mm-hmm. we met. So she hired us and the company to shoot for her company. Oh, we did yeah. content for it. She had an influencer marketing agency. So, so we worked really well together before yep. we even started dating. And so we started dating. And we knew that since we worked so well together that we wanted to start something together. And that's when you know we were just waiting. We'd been around so many different brands that we just like we knew that it would be right whenever we saw it. And when we saw this white space is whenever we're like, you know what, let's commit to this and let this be the one. And that's when we jumped in for suckers. Awesome. And so why don't you tell us a little bit, um, you know, about some of your experiences. So you said you spent a lot of time in terms of like learning the content production yourself and like being able to weave that into. So when you were launching a brand, you'd be able to know exactly what to do. So what did that look like for you guys in terms of your launch? How did you bring that creative directive flair to suckers um, and what are some of the ways in which you really channeled that into your brand? Yeah, the biggest thing for me that I wanted to do with my own brand and what I recommend any brand does is that you remove that barrier of this like uh, consumer to corporate of like what goes on there and it's like it's it's secret for this launch that we have coming up or who operates it, who's the face, you know, you don't ever see anything other than like this is what's on the shelf and you don't get anything beyond this. Mm-hmm. What I want to do from the beginning, and that's even why I shifted out of big brand corporate advertising and content, mm-hmm. was to completely document the process, the creation process, and bring the consumer inside mm-hmm. to everything that we do. We won't launch these for six to eight weeks, but mm-hmm. we have a tasters club where we get people to taste these once a month to get their feedback. Like People are actually involved with, I think that green apple should be more sour, like feedback that we get, they should be more sour. So by the time we get a product to market, a lot of people have tasted it. Some of our tasters clubs have already given us feedback on it. I don't want to just do things in a silo. Of course. And that's all a part of our marketing on our TikTok. By documenting this, we went from zero to like 100,000 on our TikTok because 
I literally showed from before we even started every single step of the process. Uh -huh. They know how, I mean, everybody, if you follow us on TikTok knows how we put our boxes together. Yep. They know literally how I wrap this. They know like why I designed this way. And by the way, this is also serves as a holder. So if you wanted to take oh, a break, that's a, that's, the size that's a of the hole idea. right here. Look at so that. if you want to take a break, you can actually set it down like that. The form factor. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, and people know that about those. So, uh, one of the biggest things that I wanted to do with my brand was to document the, I mean, I've showed literally step-by-step step the Photoshop process of how I've designed the packaging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was the biggest thing that I wanted to do with my brand was to completely open up the back end of a company. Uh, I mean, I, I've said who are formulated. I, I say, yeah. I say a lot to some people it's, it's too much, but mm -hmm. I, uh, I open up about the company and who we are and what we do and how we do it. And to me, I think that that's the biggest stickiness of what makes you win, right? Yep. Because, you know, eventually somebody can make another good piece of candy, right? And people ask all the time, what's, what's your competitive advantage? Like mm -hmm. we build brand, we build community. Yep, exactly. And, that, and I think that by ourselves being vulnerable, opening ourselves up, I mean, we talk about a lot of personal stuff on our TikTok and everything that we do, both personally and professionally with Sucker. So it's like people feel connected to us as a brand. They mm -hmm. know Tiana and I, they know why we did certain things. We're gonna mess up, we're not gonna be perfect, but I think people will stick with you through that because mm -hmm. you've been, you know, you've provided value to them over the years. You know, so many people, people have ordered our box assembler that I put out there. People have, you know, done, you know, some packaging stuff and, and, and used some of the tools that I provided to them. And I think that that's a competitive advantage. I think you, I mean, having a good product is, is a baseline and, and a table stakes, but beyond that, you need to build brand and community. And I think that's what provides the stickiness with your customers. Yeah, hundred percent. And I know that a lot of um, D2C brands, right? Like they're thinking about TikTok strategy and you see some who are doing well and others who are like really struggling with it and just using it as like, you know, a replacement for Facebook ad problems. Um, but it's it's really cool to see that you guys have been able to grow it be through that authenticity that you're talking about and just being real and not like so kind of dressed up as you would be on maybe like an Instagram or a different platform like that. For sure. And like that was a hard, exactly what you're talking about right now. That was a hard thing for me because I come from the Instagram days and the big brand corporate where it has mm -hmm. to be so polished, mm -hmm. right? I mean, frame by frame, color correction being perfect and providing this perfect image. And it's a really hard paradigm shift to get away from that, especially being a creator, mm -hmm. that that's what your mission is, is like, you know, you're, your you're worst piece is your best look type exactly. thing. Exactly, where, where you're looking for perfection every single time and trying to get to perfection, whereas uh, if you're tasked with, okay, no, no, we need to throw all that, that entire paradigm out the window, it totally changes. You throw the, it all yeah. out the window and mm -hmm. it's about the story now. Mm -hmm. It's about just communicating a story. The visuals are somewhat so much more secondary. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? How it's shot, what it looks like. It's almost even just having a visual up there for you to, I do a lot of voiceovers on the videos. The, the content that I put up visually is secondary to the voiceover story that I'm telling. And so it was, it's, it was hard for me at the very beginning yeah. to like, to put up this rough video where I'm like, wow, it could be done so much better. I want to spend more time on it. But it's more so about documenting more parts of your day, more parts of the process than it is putting out obviously that um, piece. So it was a tough thing to get through. But yeah, we did finally, I think, crack, uh, you know, I feel like the code of, of TikTok to what, to what people connect with. And that was what able us to grow so fast, so quick. And yeah, it's been our biggest especially now like you're talking about the troubles that are happening in paid social and yep. like everybody cutting budgets and the, the CAC to get people now, whatever is so high that we haven't had to do any paid so far. Uh, and wow. so our CAC's like zero and TikTok has been driven everything from Shark Tank reaching out within the first five days wanting us to come on the show, retailers reaching out. I'm curious when you know, we'll have a product they can get on the shelf uh, to organic traffic to our website. You know, it converts low, of course, but it's like it all comes full circle. It all, yeah, I mean, I mean, the fact that you know you guys have done everything organic to date, like I think that speaks a ton because organic is like that's like the holy grail of being able to like market a product is when you know it's just growing and marketing for free and you're not having to pour in money to you know obviously if you're getting a good return on it, it's a, it's it's something that you're going to be doing but at least for, for a lot of people who think about like launching a brand they're thinking about like budget in the early days they're thinking about inventory they're thinking about team they're thinking about all these different things and if you're like we just proved that we that you can actually get to month three of a very successful launch strictly organic i think that's 
that's a really important model to sort of, yeah. you know, I mean, we're nearing about. close to TikTok has driven close to 100,000 unique visitors within our first three months of being in business just from TikTok. And like to get that for free, what you'd have to pay for that with CPMs and stuff right now uh, would be crazy. So we're super grateful. Um, and yeah, we've done different things. It converts low, like I was saying earlier, but we've also done things to get them into the funnel of SMS and email, and then I convert them down the road, you know what I mean? And But even just the sheer awareness for whenever we do go into retail and around shelves for velocity and for pull off of shelves, like I think the amount of, we've had 35 million views on our videos already, wow. and like I feel like the awareness that we have is uh, is pretty amazing for 90 days in. So super grateful for the platform, and. Obviously, I think it's worth it. It's the future of what I think brands need to be doing right now. So one last question on TikTok and then we'll get into some other stuff. But um, in terms of how you like approached it when you were, so did you have a background in TikTok before? Because TikTok's obviously a newer platform. So was this your first real run at like creating content on TikTok? How did you familiarize yourself with it? And what gave you the, um, you know, the confidence that this was this was the right channel to focus on? Yeah, uh, great question because it was weird. I came in completely cold from creating content on TikTok mm -hmm. and feeling somewhat lost. Mm -hmm. And it was weird, I say it was weird because I come from the content background mm -hmm. and this, you know, seems like I should come in with strength and with confidence, but it was like, it's just such a unique platform. Mm -hmm. And originally, I just tested a bunch of different stuff mm -hmm. originally. And I knew I wasn't going to just always talk about product. That was, that, that was like the, in a sideways sales way, it was never going to work, you yeah. know? So it was more going to be about documenting. But then the other thing I was going to try is I tried, I was going to document nostalgic games. Mm. I literally, I started ordering stuff off of Amazon. I was getting old, like spin art stuff. Yeah. And I got G whatever, like old, old games. And I realized that that really wasn't sustainable. Because, you know, really to kickstart things, I feel like you need to post two to four times a day on TikTok, yep. especially in the beginning. I don't do that as much anymore. I post about once a day now, but two to four times a day. And I can't like order two to four games a day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, all that. wasn't going to work. But in the beginning, I was like, okay, let me review nostalgic games. Uh, yep. And then I was like, all right, let me talk about the history of some like the classic snake on the Nokia phones. Mm -hmm. And like the original, so I started doing voiceover stuff like that. Nothing quite clicked, but I have a buddy of mine. And this was from a, a personal channel? Like this was before for the brand? No, or this, this was is from Suckers. Like, oh, this is Suckers. Yeah, this okay. is Suckers TikTok. Okay, Because got it. like, it was always about get the audience and the attention. You can always sell later. Got it. I did not want it to be like, it's from the very beginning, like just lollipops. I wanted gotcha. to be like interesting about, and I talked about the business and stuff as well, but it's mm -hmm. like, what is this going to be about? And then we really started, this was before we even had our first production run and everything mm -hmm. like that. We finally got our production run in. We were starting to get packaging in. Now is the real creation part. And stuff started happening. Literally like shipments were late and like we were putting, assembling stuff. And I had a buddy of mine who runs a TikTok uh, marketing agency, uh, JT here. Mm -hmm. He sent me a text of like two or three different hooks for videos to do mm -hmm. of like, because we did all of our lollipops that arrived at our fulfillment center where their boxes were open and they were called all over the place. We didn't know how many were broken. And the first TikTok that kind of took off for us was like um, how our company almost failed before we even started. Yep. And it was like showing like all of our lollipops all over the place. Some of them were broken and that one took off for us. And then from there, for me, it clicked. And now it's all about there's this you know, formula. It is that you have a hook. I mean, you have two to three seconds to get somebody to stay there. You have a hook. You have a conflict that happens and then you have a resolution or a call to action to that. Mm. And so every single video since then has been some sort of a hook. This is how we failed 17 minutes to know if our product was going to make it or not. Mm -hmm. uh, the worst phone call since we started our business, mm -hmm. all these things, not they're not all bad, but to be honest, some of the negative ones are the ones that seem like it's yeah. like something could really bad happen, seem to perform the best. And then you just talk about that conflict. Yep. What happened? Boxes came, we had them yep. shipped, they were broken. And this is the resolution. We stayed up all night. We checked one by one at every single lollipop and threw away the broken ones. And our, we're gonna be able to make it to launch. Wow, I, I love that just in terms of a framework because I think it's, because like you're coming from like the creative direction content sort of viewpoint on it. And you were like, okay, this is what, do, this is the, the framework that you can apply to creating TikToks that clearly works. So just breaking it down into hook, what the conflict is and what the resolution is, all of a sudden that becomes, you know, really engaging, right? Um, as, a, as a framework, but also uh, it, it helps you kind of measure like what the KPIs are that like you need to be able to hit when you're producing these content pieces and keep you 
on track because I think one thing that can be really daunting for people who aren't so into creating content is like you can create content and you like you don't know why things are performing well versus not performing well and you're like I put so much effort into that content but like viewers like they don't care about the effort you put in they care about if it's like engaging content for them right? exactly you know and yeah if you think about the the hook is the most important thing because that i mean they're scrolling so fast and mm -hmm. you literally have two to three seconds to keep somebody there so let's let's talk a little bit about hooks because like that's yep. that's uh that's such a great point because all the content that you have you know second 10 plus into your video that doesn't matter if you didn't catch them in the first you know two or three seconds so um yeah, why, why don't we talk a little bit about it? I'll read some to you mm -hmm. uh, right now that have kind of have done the uh, best. And are you hooking, like, is it with the text that you have, like, overlaid? Is it, like, a visual that you're pointing to? Or what? how do you think about building your hook? Hook for me, I always have it in text mm -hmm. with, like, a, a word in bright red that kind of catches it, like, failed or, like, a, a large number if mm -hmm. it's something about that that matches my voiceover audio. So the format that I do is I lay out video mm -hmm. and then I lay voiceover on top of it. Mm. And then for the hook, I always put the hook into text in the very beginning, sometimes popping up in sequence when I say it. This is the, this one ingredient costs us $19,270. Gotcha. You're going to be like, like, what is that ingredient? ingredient? Yeah, exactly. What's the ingredient they did? You know, it's tapioca fiber syrup that costs us that much to make it, you know, in the lollipop. Um, this one device saved us $6,200 in putting together our boxes. And I literally show this little simple device I found deep on the internet one night that helps us assemble our boxes really fast. And they're like, what is this little device? And then the biggest ones too are when there's a debate around it. Mm. Uh, so anyways, one of the videos, early videos that did well for me is I was trying to think, how can we put together these boxes a whole lot faster? Normally yeah. you write, you got to curve the edges. You're kind of working it around the side, whatever. Somebody invented this box and you send in your box when it's flat packed like this. Yep. And they exactly. custom designed these little like plastic, like just jig. Mm -hmm. And you set this one thing on the top, you press it down and just and it folds it all in. And I was like, wow, it was incredibly bottom. They saved us a ton. But I posted that video and people, some people are like, this is incredible. I want to order one because I put these together. Other people are like, I worked at a pizza shop my entire career. I guarantee you I can still do it faster than you. <laughs> and so you get this debate Good back debate. and forth that goes back and forth on them. So um, how candy can affect your mental health. Mm -hmm. That'll keep, like, right? It keeps you around. Why would I stay there uh, and do that? Um, the worst phone call we got since starting our business. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, that we were already half, seven months into formulating. We were super happy with how it tasted. We were super happy with the hard candy that it made. Mm -hmm. We sent it off to go get nutritional facts done. And I got a phone call that said it came back almost the exact same sugar count than it did, right? That was like literally the worst phone call that we had since we started our business. Uh, are, are lollipops safe for your dogs, right? It's just like all these different hooks that- Yeah, and, and I think this is where you see like, an overlap between um, like content creators now, like who are producing content on TikTok, like looking for that story, that hook, and even like copywriting of like of old, like from traditional marketing and um, you know copywriters who need to come up with like really they don't have that much text and they need to catch the viewer's attention, right? It's the same. So that's when it did start applying, right? Yeah. The traditional advertising, some of that in my storytelling, because I've always have been a storyteller and it was mm -hmm. part of my job in advertising. It just now had to be adapted and translated to a different format and a different context and a different mental framework of how to tell that story. And I bet once you like figured out like the framework, you're probably like, wait, this is actually easier because I don't have to produce the hell out of Dude, it. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I can yeah. shoot something so fast with my iPhone. I can lay, I can do it all right here on my phone now. We don't have to have a 50 person crew and lights and it looks forced. To, like, it actually just becomes so much more natural and makes so much more sense. Just document exactly what's happening instead of trying to set up this scene of somebody that seems unnatural and organic and actually having actors on there to try to act it out. Exactly, it's you like, just do it. <laughs> you just do it and you just document it and you tell the stories of what happened and people connect with that so much more and that's why I think it works and that's where at the very beginning and there's obviously new shift of what content marketing is and we'll see it for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, in a weird way, I was talking about this a couple of days ago, I think some point down the road, mm -hmm. it'll come back yeah. to where it was because whenever you start seeing that everybody's sitting at their desk and what everybody does behind the scenes and you've seen everybody for the next decade, however long this like runs going to last next five years, 10 years, eventually you're going to want to see a pretty gonna, picture. Again. Yep. Yep. And, and that's something that I think about too. Like obviously, you know, off the record, don't take, no one take, please no one take my advice on this. But like when I personally, as a consumer, I watch TikTok having, being used to like really pretty visual things. Like it's 
a very overwhelming platform to like see and it's like oh my god this is like this is like social media on meth literally like that's that's the reaction that i have as a consumer but um i think the principles kind of what we were talking about like at the end of the day like when you're when you're walking to check out from a supermarket and you see all like the tabloids there right they have these crazy headlines and the reason they're still selling magazines in 2022 is because those things catch attention. People read the headline. They're like, OK, I'm buying that. Right. And I, you even see this even like on platforms like Snapchat when they introduce media into like Snapchat. Right. And even if you go back and open it today, all those headlines, similar sort of things like they're going to give you a hook. They're going to draw you in. You're going to watch it and they're going to sell ads to like monetize. Right. Exactly. And um, and, you know, as that happens to content everywhere, 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 maybe we'll start to see a regression of the mean. But I think the key takeaway here is like right now in the moment if we're talking about where we are right now and what's working now this is clearly a framework that's working it's getting views it's getting organic traffic and it's a, a, a solid and repeatable framework for creating authentic uh tiktok content yep exactly because it's for the first time we are able to see good um for the first time we are able to see how uh, all the products around us that we've either grown up with or we like or that we wear or that we eat are actually made in the behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Like people have probably always wondered how a lollipop is made. And now finally they get to see the, you know, candy running through the machines and how it's packaged. And that can happen for every industry, every product. And that'll be interesting for a while. Gotcha. Eventually after I feel like we've consumed so much of it, yeah, it maybe regresses back to... <laughs> To pretty, but yeah. Um, so, so now that we've have the whole like background and your your guys' approach to how you guys create content, how you think about organic, how you think about TikTok, um, why don't you let's talk a little bit about like the operation side of the brand, like what your background is, what your partner's background is. Um, were you guys learning on the fly? Did you have experience working with other e-commerce brands? How did you go from, okay, we're formulating, we're doing all the things that you need to do to come up with a product, which is formulate the product, get the packaging, get the brand and get the content. And now let's talk about actually progressing to setting up your storefront and once you have that traffic, selling it. So what was, uh, what did you guys do? Did you have experience in this before? How did you guys tag team it um, as a team? Definitely. So had experience in some of those and did not have experience in others. So uh, I had never created a CPG product. All of my creations had always been digital. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've always done videos. I've you know, run a content company. So creating a physical product was different. And we knew obviously nothing about how to formulate hard candy. That's why we knew we needed to hire somebody really, really good in the industry just mm -hmm. out of like common sense of, of getting this made. And so we, I searched long and hard on the internet obviously to find who mm -hmm. our formulator is. She's become obviously like a friend now. I mean, the story of just even with her is at first she just sees this, you know, LA couple reach out and say that we want to do something that's never been done in hard candy before. And what we did, she speaks about in like her conferences that she speaks at of like whatever, she's very proud of it. But at first she was like, there's this couple from LA wanting to do something in the candy industry. And I, you know what I mean? It's never been done and really skeptical. But we developed a relationship with her and have gone through so much, literally ups and downs. Uh, that now we're such close friends, but that was the first step. And when you when, when you found her, did you literally like open up Google and type in like candy formulators? Hard or, like, candy how'd you for literally yeah, hard literally. candy formulator? And like there is all these. There's the Hard Candy Hall of Fame, National Confectioners Hall of Fame. Then there's all these like panels and stuff that they do. And she's retired, so she speaks at all that. She's on the board of stuff, and her name started popping up. And I reached out to one person, and they were like pointed to her. I reached out to another person, they pointed at her. So I finally we got on a Zoom with her, mm -hmm. and she, you know, we really just once she saw how passionate we were like all in on this it wasn't just like you know just trying to do this little side project she was like you know what i can't give any promises i see what you guys want to create and here you know is what it would take for us to get started and if you guys want to get started let's do this and that's what started the process so she has been a huge um obviously part from the production formulating uh regulatory uh standpoint from that whole side gotcha, gotcha. huge huge in yep. that once we got now packaging everything else, that's in, and even Shopify. I used to design websites even early, early yeah. 20s from WordPress. Yeah. So everything setting up digital um, is something that we both had, you know, a lot of experience in mm -hmm. Shopify, everything else. Um, we also have a really good advisory board. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Brandon from Liquid IV, mm -hmm. uh, Jake from Movement, and then I have another consultant and advisor that is like, Really, he's one that actually I think like I don't know if he set us up with Omni Panel, but or had talked about it. But he is even in the nuts and bolts of has a setup with Hot Jar and like everything else like that. So, gotcha. 
from packaging, marketing, branding, Shopify, everything digital mm -hmm. is kind of where we, where we uh, have a lot of experience and where we're really comfortable. Where we'll get into now is retail, retail mm -hmm. expansion, because still, you know, 80% of grocery is bought in retail. Yep. Even no, even if we skew a little bit more in digital, we're still going to be seventy. You know, because of our background, we're still going to be seventy-five percent retail. So that's going to be getting into, and we're going to have you know key hires and lean on some advisors mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that we're set up right for our retail strategy, retail expansion, because it can also sink you really fast too if you don't. Oh, absolutely. So definitely want to get into retail. One question I had, um, just as we kind of round out the stack that you guys are built on on the e-com side of things. Um, so you said Shopify for um, the storefront. Uh, you knew how to like build a website. Shopify, um, I'll tell you, I use yeah. Shogun for page builder. If you want to know like actual apps, I love Shogun as a page builder because I come from a graphic design background with everything that I did, yep. uh, branding and stuff as well. I did all of our branding, packaging. I designed our website, but I was able to use Shogun page. Have you heard of Shogun? Page yeah, yeah. Builder? yeah. Yep. So I use it because um, I don't have to be stuck within like a themes framework and I don't have to have a developer mm. do every little move that I need exactly. outside of what's customizable in yep. the theme. So Shogun gives me the blank slate to drop everything in. So I designed our website from scratch using Shogun and it's an app that I actually love and use a lot. Amazing. And then in terms of some of the other things, right? Um, do you guys have a subscription option that you use? Do you do um, you know email marketing or SMS? Are there platforms that you guys use for that? Yep. So we do um, subscription through Recharge. Mm -hmm. We got Recharge set up. Uh, and then we use Clavio for email, of course, yeah. and then we're using Emotive actually for SMS. So that's something I want to get into because, um, you know, Emotive, we know those guys, they're in LA, um, and I know they're like breaking it a little bit into uh, e-commerce. Actually, our um, the VC that led our round, he, they also did Emotive as well. Um, and I'm just curious from, you know, I want to get the merchants take on like, you know, how's that experience been? What do you guys use Emotive for? What do you like about it? How's it been going? Yeah, I went deep into them all. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually have a buddy that works for Attentive pretty high up mm -hmm. and uh, he texted me and was like, please tell me you're using us. And like, uh, this is where I netted out on it because I did demos. I actually signed up for actually the trials for them and used it. Mm -hmm. da -da -da. Um, for me, what it came down to was two things. Why I chose Emotive mm -hmm. was the first one was that they have a mobile optimized um, uh, uh, layout for their mobile optimized app mm -hmm. for their conversations, for the conversations we have. Yep. For me, for SMS, I knew from the beginning I wanted to be a community builder. It's not just like a one-way thing. Yep. I'm not just going to send out a broadcast and leave it. Yep. And with Attentive, you have to be on your desktop to message anybody back. Mm -hmm. I even tried to hack on mobile browsers, different browsers, try to get their mobile conversations to load, wouldn't load. And I knew I wanted to be on airplanes and send something out and talk to people. Mm -hmm. I use it for customer service. I do use it for like converting and like doing sales stuff, whatever. I, I mean, people text me sometimes and just say, what's up? You know what I mean? Like I'm using it for like this. So for one, just having a mobile optimized version of their app was uh, a differentiator. And the second thing is they do have real people mm -hmm. that will reply back for conversational texting back and forth for simple questions that, and then what they do is they hand it off if they can't answer it. Oh, so if somebody really simply is just asking a question and like, you know, of course somebody just wants another order number, Attentive even can do automated stuff where they so reply they, they back have a, to that. So they have a service layer as well. And is that done with um, like AI or do they have like a, a team that can... Real people. Yeah, and, and what way it differentiates is somebody is like misspells stuff and says something like um, something about order, but you can't... They have real people looking at it. Yep replying back with and making sure it's conversational and getting it up to a place where, okay, they're good, they're good, yeah, no problem. Or if it's like, so tell me, you know, uh, what's your next flavors that are long? Even that's something they can answer. But if they, it's a question that they can't answer, exactly. there's a tab that it goes over, it's called handoff. Yep. That's the way it filters out. I can, you know, handle pretty good volume and it hands it off to me. And then on my mobile app, yep. I can sit there and reply to those people. So you're able to just deal with the escalations and then the, you can handle those in a very high touch sort of way and all the other ones, you can still offer the personalized touch without having to you know, pull your hair out exactly. over it. Exactly, so I chose to go um, with them for that reason. And yeah, they've been, you know, I will say, you know, I will say that attentive from their delivery uh, and just, it's probably a bit more polished, their desktop version is the way I would put it from like pros and cons. Um, it's probably more polished uh, from their whole backend and, and functionality, but those two features still just made it. Yeah, you know, that, that makes a ton of sense, especially at the, the scale you're at. I, uh, a lot of the founders we have on, 
and me as well when you think about like building a business one recurring theme is like you have to like give a shit about your customers and especially um, in the early stages right and so being able to give yourself that superpower I think is like really important where you're like you know for the right questions it's like hey it's still the founder that's going to be able to answer these questions and as you continue to scale up you can still you know put out the most important fires yeah. yourself right? I reply back to every single text message personally that I can and I'll do that as long as I can um, you know to do it and it's been super beneficial I mean you have like you know, kids sometimes will reply back and be like, F off or something. And they think it's a bot. And I'll reply really yeah. like, why, why are you mad? Yeah. And they're like, oh shit, they're like, they're like, you're actually a real person? I'm like, yeah, I'm the founder. Like, yeah. you know, and like, I'm so sorry. I was actually just messing around. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's been like, I'll reply back to everybody as long as I can. And it's been, um, yeah, super, like we have our, because of TikTok as well, um, we built, I think there's almost, 3,500 people that we have over SMS, which has just been crazy oh, wow. um, to build because I've done specific TikToks. We have a tasters club mm -hmm. where people can uh, join the tasters club. Once a month, we hold a live tasting over Zoom. Mm -hmm. We send them out tasting kits similar to this, and we get on a live Zoom with 15 people and get feedback. They get product and just like a part of our production process. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, anyways, we, we've built a really pretty good, significant um, SMS. So let, yeah, let's talk about community SMS and all these different kind of things you're doing and how you're thinking about it. So, um, you know, as far as like SMS strategy goes, like where, what do you, what do you send SMSs for? What part of the user journey do they come? Is it an inbound thing? Is it a thing to provide them better support? Does it come into your flow? Like, hey, your order's arriving. Like, where do you have SMS baked into your customer experience? Yeah, a little bit of everything because I wanted it to be the first option for people to use because it's like the least barrier of entry, you mm -hmm. know, for somebody to just do it. Um, and I feel like the threshold for people to want to get up with their number is getting less and less. Similarly, like you wouldn't give out your email a long time ago because you didn't want it. But now it's like at first people didn't want to give up their telephone number, mm -hmm. but I feel like they're becoming more loose to it. So there's two different things. One is I use it for just incoming experiences is what we call them, but that's mm -hmm. where you just sign up obviously for the pop-up that comes in to, to opt in yep. to the marketing for a $5 off coupon or something. Yep. And that experience actually you can build out trees. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously you can ask them questions. Okay. Are you interested in buying some today? Anyways, that's just an incoming kind of automated flow. Yep. The other thing is the outbound broadcast that we do. Mm -hmm. And like about once a week, I will do SMS about once a week, mm -hmm. email probably about twice a week. Uh, but we will then do broadcasts just based off of, you know, either sometimes special, sometimes just cultural fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a TikTok that we just did that I send a link to uh, and just deals and stuff to those people that join the club. Uh, and then that's like kind of like a broadcast outbound. And then the third one is I use it for our tasters club. Mm -hmm. That's how people submit their application. I send out the application in SMS. Yep. They fill out the application. I tie it to our Notion database, mm -hmm. uh, and it all kind of comes into there. And I keep the conversation and our database of all of our tasters kind of um, through SMS. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And, and eventually, they're going to get like exclusive flavors. So I'll text out like, you know, if they can choose, I'll let the tasters club choose between two flavors. Hey, you guys like to try a pineapple or a mango if we were to do another test run, you yeah. know what I mean? And let yeah. the tasters club. So I use it for a community builder. Uh, and then it also is for customer service on our website. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a give them option of live chat, pops up a yep. gorgeous live chat, uh, or they can email mm -hmm. or text this word to opt into a conversation and I'll Boom. reply back and then right away for any customer service stuff. Awesome. And then let's talk a little bit about community, right? So um, you've got the taster club going on, you're doing all this stuff on TikTok. How is a brand, like, how are you thinking about community? Are you thinking about community in terms of different ways to involve different pockets of people? Are you creating one place where people can, you know, talk about everything um, having to do with health and, and lollipops and fun? Like, what, what's your, what's the strategy and creative direction, I guess you could call it, of your community initiatives? Definitely. And what we're finding is what people resonate with and what they want to be a part of when you talk about like community or what they want to be involved with is that is that, um, you know, what we create at Suckers that we recreate nostalgic candy mm -hmm. with organic ingredients with up to 92% less sugar. So a better for you way. And nostalgic candy makes people like warm up on the inside. You remember growing up with it or as a kid, you used to get it as a treat and it was rewards. And so talking about nostalgic candy, people get really excited and something they actually want to rally behind. And the fact that we're taking products that haven't been better for you, like a lollipop, and we'll do the blow pop size a little bit smaller mm -hmm. with gum inside and, and do fun stuff like that. We'll do golden ticket stuff. Mm -hmm. They um, are really passionate and want to get behind nostalgic candy being recreated. And so I'm looking at community as getting 
uh, groups of people, getting this community together, people rallying behind, being involved, and in, in, like they're a part of the process of recreating these candies with us. And there's a lot of people obviously who are joining it that have keto or health problems, or they're sensitive to sugar, mm -hmm. or they have kids, and they and they you know want to care about their health, and they get really passionate about it and want to be, you know, a part of it and want to um, you know kind of engage with other people that that are interested in that. So yeah, you you kind of see the candy as like an entryway in, like nostalgic candy is an entryway in, and that becomes a platform from which you can develop all these other products that you know scratch all these different sort of use cases and and you can kind of grow the community and and you're keeping people involved through that through the product development and where is this brand going and like clearly this is you know we started here you're part of the journey that sort of stuff right exactly yeah even just the people that join our tasters clubs they they become super fans mm -hmm. like you would think that they own equity in the company now they are the biggest fans because they literally i mean and it's true after our tasters club the feedback we usually have meetings with our manufacturer to do another test mm -hmm. run and we will take their it's not like we're just doing it just no, for like people to, to, to just taste we really take the notes and we, there's been consensus feedback usually from each tasting on specific stuff to do across the board and we take that and give it to our manufacturer and the next product that comes out has that in it and they literally feel like they were a product like they were a product developer on, on uh, you a, know for our company yeah. and super fans affiliate using the affiliate links buying hats telling friends about it um so yeah they just become really passionate when they feel like they've helped develop you know the, the, the product, product with yeah you, so. and what is um why don't we talk a little bit about that? How did you set set that up initially? I know you mentioned like you you monitor your database, you communicate through SMS, but like in terms of like launching that um, you know tasting club sort of program, how did you go about build? Like how do you build that? Right. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing was like, I just realized too, is what's another la layer before like the, how we built it was like, what's another layer from people just watching us, yep. right? Yep. We, we, I showed everything. I showed it in the factory. I showed us making everything else. But what was another layer for them to feel involved with us from just watching it on TikTok? And that was to actually like get them on mm -hmm. Zoom mm -hmm. and let them taste it and do it. And so from there, it was like, okay, what's the... Le you know, least barrier of entry, least amount of friction mm -hmm. to communicate with somebody right now and it's via SMS. Mm -hmm. And so the infrastructure was just literally to, yeah. was just there through Emotive was, I did a TikTok that said, uh, like a hook again. It was like, do you want to be a professional candy taster? Mm. Boom, this is how. At Suckers, we have the Tasters Club where you, you know, can fill out a form. You can be eligible to be a part of our next live candy tasting via Zoom. Yep. If you want to, text the word taster to 910 Suckers. Yep. And so we did get 910 suckers. Yeah. Uh, we got the telephone number. Emotive, <laughs> That's a great. Emotive, yeah. Emotive reached out and got for us. Uh, and so, you know, between, from an infrastructure standpoint, it was, yeah, between Emotive SMS and then I used Notion. Yep. Uh, and I connected through um, Notion Forms. Yep. So I sent out a form via SMS, people fill out a form, and um, yeah, that's good. Boom, and then you have your database of tasters, they're super engaged. Database of tasters, yeah. I have a way to immediately communicate with them. I have a database that always lives with their name, address, telephone number, email address, uh, social handles, and the list continues to grow and people continue to join. And we're gonna expand it out to in-person tastings. Yeah. We had a lot of people from LA apply. Mm -hmm. I haven't had actually had to put any of them in the tasting yet, or I haven't put any of them in tastings yet because I wanna do an in-person tasting here. Even like lollipop making, like we can make lollipops in that. And we're just gonna continue to kind of develop that out, uh, expand that out. And expand the community. No, that's, 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 um, that's great. I love how you guys were thinking about it. And I think it's, like you were saying, it's just such a fun medium to like create community around, right? Um, so then I guess moving forward, um, you, you guys have the product, you, you have your community that's like pushing you forward. You've got the organic solved for. So what are some of the big like, I guess, challenges on the horizon? And what are you thinking about as you like continue to grow the brand? Yeah, so big challenge is gonna be retail expansion and retail growth. So uh, we're actually raising right now again just for that mm -hmm. and having a, you know, a key hire around head of retail sales mm -hmm. and it's gonna be huge. And just the strategy and placement of where we go about and how we go about doing it. Because you know, it can be, retail can be great obviously, you can live and die, but obviously you've heard the nightmare stories of what it can do. So um, it's going to, you know, the big challenge is going to be getting this on shelves, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the good price point of margins that uh, is healthy. And then obviously the pull off of the shelves. Yep. Yep. And that's where obviously TikTok is going to be big for us. And I think that's where in the end, even if it doesn't convert high for brands or businesses right now, 
people will see this when they walk by and they see this in the shelf and I've done a lot of stuff from even our logo on there being the same as this, yep. showing these colors a lot in this, in this format. So when they walk by it in the store, People are like, oh, I, want, I do want to try that. Exactly. Um, so definitely a big challenge coming up. Are you, are you guys in any stores yet, or is that just on the horizon? Yeah, we're in like 10 to 15 doors. Uh, just bo you know, some bodegas in New York City, mm -hmm. just the corner of Natural Grocers. Uh, Rainbow Acres has two doors here in town. They're yep. dropping some off this week to get into there. Um, and then, yeah, just some natural grocers between New York uh, and just a couple here in town as a test. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we will, when these are ready in six to eight weeks, we'll really start rolling out our retail strategy. And that would be going after the natural grocers with like 10 doors, the Air Ones, uh, some of the sprouts, you know, and getting into those. And then it would be next up would be like regional Whole Foods. Exactly. And then really the holy grail for us is like a target. Mm -hmm. And what are your... What are your limitations? Do you have a, um, you're saying you're, you're, you guys are going to go raise right now and be able to help accelerate retail expansion. Do you have, is, is production, is that a limitation? How are you guys thinking about fulfillment um, and all that side of things? Um, man, to get our manufacturer for the original lollipops you're eating right mm -hmm. now is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. <laughs> went, Why? Uh, what, what was... All the, all the, you know, there's very, very few candy manufacturers in the world that are working with any traditional ingredient or working with any of the new ingredients that we have. They're all used to sugar and corn syrup, yep. two ingredients. They got pipes set up, massive truckloads come with just sugar with artificial corn syrup and they're, and they're set up that way. So I searched high and low around the world for people. Literally it took me like six months pounding down doors trying to, I mean, I was ready to fly to Mexico with 10 grand <laughs> cash and bribe somebody <laughs> to do it. And like, I got close like to, like to actually having a guy, like if I came down there yeah. to do whatever I had to do. Um, but we finally found this manufacturer we have now uh, and they made this first run for us, but we have uh, a new manufacturer that we're switching to uh, that we have an incredible relationship with now that was already one of the only factories only, especially in North America, the only one that I know of that was using these ingredients already and was thinking about using, uh, you know, making candy without oh, amazing. sugar alcohols yep. and have an incredible, incredible relationship with them. They already, they're a massive, massive manufacturer and already working with a lot of the retailers yep. and we are set up with them now. Like it literally went from my, like keeping me up at night for six months to being one of our strengths. Oh, and we're ready to yeah. go, ready to scale as big as we can scale, literally overnight. Uh, so manufacturing, uh, it will not hold us back. Fulfilling everything from that, from the op side right now, yep. is we are in a really, really good position. Really good spot. Um, well, anyway, Casey, thank you for coming on with us and joining. It was super fun. I love breaking down everything from the product. This lollipop is phenomenal. I'm still still working on it. Um, and uh, so for our listeners, where can they find, where can they connect with you um, and where can they find you and Suckers and your guys' amazing product and content? Thanks. Uh, so Suckers on Instagram, S-U-C-K-E-R-Z on Instagram, at Suckers. On TikTok, we're at Suckers.com, yep. S-U-C-K-E-R-Z.com. And then Suckers.com is obviously just our website mm -hmm. if you want to go there and check out our products. And personally, I'm just at Casey on Instagram, at K-A-S-E-Y. And you can kind of find everything Suckers and, and my personal stuff between all those places. Sweet. Well, thanks yeah. for thanks for coming on D2C Pod today. Dude, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Nice to connect.